This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 278, a conversation with Pat O'Leaf. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 278. It's our uh, conversation with Pat O'Leaf episode. Although I have to admit that uh, we had this great conversation and afterwards I realized I never asked the correct pronunciation of his last name. So if I did it wrong, I'm very sorry, Pat. Um, But we'll get to the episode in just a moment as we sit down with Pat O'Leaf to talk about uh, his work on Until Tales of Spider-Man, Catwoman, Spider-Girl, and much, much more. Um, Just a little bit of housekeeping first. Uh, You can email us, as always, at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, post in our HD Realms thread when those eventually go up, as well as find us on Stitcher, uh, and again, on the aforementioned iTunes. Uh, So this this was a fun conversation, um, as we continue our summer interview series and I say summer loosely because technically speaking if you look go back to episode 250 which is our first kind of uh, interview um, kind of kickoff of the season I think that was March so we have a very liberal uh, definition of uh, summer uh, here but um, I hope you're enjoying these summer interviews as we keep them coming Uh, upcoming episodes will include Barbara Kiesel or Kessel, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Hopefully I will remember to ask her exactly how to pronounce it. Uh, we have an episode with Ron Garney coming up, uh, as, as well as one with uh, Mike Diodato Jr. Uh, later in the summer, much later, right near the end, we have an episode with Howard Mackey. Uh, also, upcoming episodes include a, another Comic Shenanigans on the Road episode, uh, which will probably be coming out, I think, next week, uh, which would probably be, I guess, uh, uploaded around the 19th of June. Um, so anyways, sit in, sit down, strap in, and enjoy this episode as we talk with Pat uh, about uh, his work in the comics field. And again, we get to, I get to geek out a little on uh, talking to him about Until Tales of Spider-Man, as it's definitely one of my uh, top reads in terms of uh, a great kind of one, issue 1 to 25. That complete run is, is kind of a perfect comic in a lot of ways. You can give it to anybody, anyone who can kind of enjoy it and uh, really enjoy the characters and the art and the story and the action and everything there is. So uh, I had a really, uh, I had a blast talking to Pat, and now uh, you get to listen to uh, me having a blast. So thanks for uh, listening, and let's jump right into the episode. Pat, welcome to Comic Shenanigans. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you, Adam. I'm doing very well. So um, let's jump right into it, why don't we? Uh, yep. Let's uh, let's talk about your background before comics. What, um, like as a kid, were you reading comics, or what was your background like? Oh, sure. That I mean, that's really, um, and this is probably pretty common for everybody that, that, that works in the industry and, uh, and, and, and that, are, that are fans of, uh, of comics, that you start when you're a kid. I started, uh, uh, my dad brought home comics, some comics when I was a kid, um, you know, maybe five, six years old, and uh, I just fell in love with them immediately. I mean, I just um, fell in love with the illustrations, the artwork. Um, you know the characters, the way it looked, and it was just uh, uh, it was intoxicating. So it was it was great, and then really it took me. <laughs> then it took a while uh, uh, to realize that you could actually read these things too. So uh, <laughs> as I got older and was able to read better, and you know that kind of stuff, that uh, uh, I said, "Oh my gosh, you can read these things!" So um, uh, and then I, and then then you're just you're just hooked. Um, and then I think the uh, um, I don't remember the issue number, but it was one of the Avengers issues that Neil Adams drew, Tom Palmer inked, and hmm. uh, Roy Thomas. And, and um, uh, my dad 
had a friend of his that had a collection of comics, and he brought those home one time. And when I looked at that, that really kind of sealed the deal for me. Um, looking at those, looking at Neil uh, Neil's work, uh, I was just completely blown away. And uh, and I think that really just kind of set the hooks in pretty deeply at that point. I, I was pretty much I was pretty much done at that point. <laughs> now, as a kid, were you a Marvel or DC kid? Mostly a Marvel kid. Mostly a Marvel kid. Um, there was just some kind of connection that I had to those characters that I really enjoyed, and uh, and I think I think even when I was younger, um, I tended to follow um, the artwork uh, quite a bit, and um, so my first real connection to an artist in comics were guys like John Buscema and Neil Adams, and I saw those I saw their artwork in Marvel Comics. So I think that kind of helped, kind of push me in that direction. Of course, obviously, I, I followed all, you know, followed all of Neil's stuff on Batman, you know, when he did Batman and that kind of thing. But I think that initial connection tended to be through Marvel, and that's where I kind of, that's where I spent most of my collecting money. And which characters would you say were your favorites growing up, and even maybe now? Um, I'd have to say that um, my favorite character would probably be Batman. I mean, that's you know, I think that's probably uh, you know. Um, not an unusual answer. Um, I mean, such an iconic character, and uh, and again, you know, going back to the Neil Adams uh, to the connection that you know Neil's work uh, with the character, uh, uh, his work and Jim Aparo's work, um, um, I was just drawn to, and I think that again that uh, uh, that, that helped uh, the connection of the character, and I think he's probably my he's probably my favorite character. Who's your favorite character to draw? Um, I think probably um, over the years, I mean, I've drawn so many characters. I think, really, I think it was kind of happened over time, but I think my favorite character to draw is probably Spider-Man. Um, it's the character that I think I'm, uh, if I'm connected to any character, it's probably that one, thanks to Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Um, but, I mean, I always collected Spider-Man comics when I was a kid. I liked the character. Uh, I was never uh, the biggest Spider-Man fan, um, although, I, like I said, I followed the character and I enjoyed his adventures and everything. But it wasn't until really I started to draw him on Until Tales of Spider-Man that I uh, then you could just you, I just completely uh, fell in love with drawing the character. I mean, so expressive, so much movement. The character itself uh, was so compelling that. Um, I think to draw, uh, probably because I've had the most experience with him, is, is, is probably Spider-Man. Now, you bring up Uncle Tales of Spider-Man, and you're right. He's probably one of the top two kind of characters that you usually, when you hear your name, that's usually what people yep. think of. Um, yep. How did you come to get the gig on Until Tales of Spider-Man? Well, what happened was uh, I had done some um, um, like trading cards or some trading card set, and I had done a few cards for Tom Brevoort at Marvel, and then um, really I'd been at, I'd been at Marvel for a few years working on, on different projects, and um, <coughs> excuse me, and the uh, uh, obviously they were looking for somebody with a more traditional style, someone that would fit that book, and he had seen my he, I'd done some like I said some trading card work for for, for Tom. And uh, so when it came time to look for artists for Untold Tales of Spider-Man, that's what got me on his list. So it was doing the trading card work for Tom. He was the editor on the project. That's what kind of 
uh, got me uh, uh, considered for the project. And then, um, uh, you know, I did a sample piece, sent it in, and everyone seemed to be happy with it, and then uh, we were off to the races. How would you say your take on Spider-Man, like, how did you kind of come up with the way you drew a youthful Spider-Man? Because when you look at your Until Tales of Spider-Man, it's very noticeably, like, he looks younger. Right. Like, how did you kind of come up with that particular look? Well, I think it was it was a combination of things. I think because that was the focus of the stories that Kurt was, I mean, he was trying, he was weaving these stories in and around uh, the original Ditko stories that, um, you know, you certainly, I looked at Ditko for what he looked like, kind of, uh, and I think that certainly informed my approach to the character because it was so connected to that um, that era uh, in, in his history. Um, so uh, looking at Steve Ditko, looking at that era of Spider-Man comics, uh, certainly um, had a lot to do with how I approached the character. Um, and then just, you know, um, you know uh, Rick Leonardi had a lot to do with it, too. I was uh, a big fan of how he approached the character, the movement that he had with the character. Um, so it was a kind of a combination of, you know, my own work, um, looking at Steve Ditko and, uh, some, and Rick Leonardi. Interesting. Now, um, what do you, I mean, this might be hard for you to answer, but what do you think it is about Untold Tales of Spider-Man that makes it so fondly remembered? I mean, it's been recollected. It's, right. you know, definitely kind of the, for a lot of people, the bright spots of the nineties for Spider-Man. Um, right. they've, they've reprinted it in an omnibus format. <laughs> What is it about that book that keeps people going back to it? Well, I think um, I think two things. I think that the obvious um, joy, fun that Kurt was having writing them came through instantly when you read the stories. Uh, it was it was a it was something that he certainly um, um, you know he loved that era. He, he, he wrote the character so well. I think you can, you can feel his enjoyment of the project um, uh, when you read the story. And I think to a, to a large extent, like I mentioned before, I, once I started drawing the character, then I, you know, I, I certainly fell in love with him as well. And I think that had a lot to do with it. I think his approach and feelings for the character and the project, my approach and feelings for the, uh, for the, for the character and the project had a lot to do with it. I think you just felt that when you read the book. Not that I'm saying that nobody else has that uh, connection to characters when they also work on projects, but I think the other, but I think the other piece of that was that it, in your description of it as a bright spot um, in this in, in the Spider-Man books of the '90s, and I think that played a part in it too. I think that there were th- that there were there were there were storylines going on in the '90s that um, some people loved, some people didn't, and that's totally and that's fine. Uh, but I think Untold Deals of Spider-Man came along at a time when it provided a, a little place for uh, people looking for a certain kind of, sto- of Spider-Man story, maybe a more nostalgic Spider-Man story. And some people have said more true to the character. Um, we provided that option for them. And, um, and, I, and I think that's where the connection came from, too. So it was a combination of our approach, uh, our enjoyment of the project, and also providing a little uh, oasis for uh, certain Spider-Man fans. And it's been great over the years. I mean, um, that's it's, it's been quite a while since we did that book. And like you said, it's been recollected. And, uh, and I still, when I do conventions, 
Um, I still have people showing up and, um, you know, with their untold tales of Spider-Man comics for me to sign. I mean, that, that's just, uh, you know, I love seeing that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to have had a project like that that connected with so many people. It definitely has a, a timeless feel to it, but also going on what you said, it, it definitely does feel like it has a sense of joy to it, which, again, the uh, 90s are not usually typified as having uh, a lot of joy to them. All right, right. Um, and they are definitely fun. And I guess another thing, too, is you know we've had a darkening of the comic book industry, but whereas these books, you could give them to a younger reader and not have to really feel bad, like worried about the material, even though at times you guys did do some serious stuff, sure. it just had a, a certain kind of lightness to it. Which some people would say makes it not as feel as important, but I think just makes it a better read. Yeah, I think so too. And I think like and 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 you hit it right on the head that the 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 time in which Untold Tales of Spider Man appeared did feel like the characters were getting darker. That that there was a direction happening that some people didn't enjoy, didn't like. It didn't feel like comics to them. It, didn't, it, it wasn't uh, the type of comic book that um, not only did they grow up reading or they enjoy reading, that they could, but they couldn't give their kids to read either. So I think that, um, um, right, even though we did deal with some serious topics on occasion, I think that kind of fun that we made sure came through in the book uh, I think uh, gave people uh, an option, gave people a place to come to find that again. So I think that was important. Was uh, what was the I guess the reason for the the cancellation at twenty five? Are you aware of what what kind of was it? Just sales or what what happened? Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. It was just sales. Um, the book uh, never was uh, never brought in huge numbers. Um, it was. Um, you know, it was one of the part, one of the books that was part of the 99 cent experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, several books in that series were 99 cents. Um, but several of the other books were reprinting material. Uh, and I think that was, we were one of the only ones that was doing original material. And I think that was a little bit hard for people to realize that you were getting original material in a 99 cent comic. So I think that some people didn't try us out. Uh, thinking that we were just a reprint book or, or that kind of thing. So I think, I think that probably hurt us sales-wise. Certainly a 99-cent cover price. You can't survive at that cover price with low sales numbers. Um, so it just, it just turned into – it just got to a point where uh, I think uh, Kurt was ready to move on to some other projects. Uh, and it all just kind of you know, came to a head at that point that the sales – the numbers weren't that great. The price point wasn't that great. Uh, Kurt was looking to move on to some other projects, and um, so that was that was about it. What was the collaboration like with you and Kurt? Um, I I always enjoyed it. I mean, it's it, it was um, I always enjoyed working on his scripts. Um, um, you know, I would get to play a little bit with page layout and how things were kind of set up visually, and uh, um, you know, it was uh, I thought it was a good experience. Uh, I enjoyed working with him, and. Uh, um, it wasn't necessarily something uh, that was like a uh, Stanley Steve Ditko or Stanley Jack Kirby thing, where he would, uh, you know, write, uh, you know, page seven, you know, uh, they fight or something like that. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't quite that way, but um, I mean, he certainly, uh, I thought we certainly uh, worked well together. Um, bringing that up, was was it more like? A much more detailed script was it full script was it a, still a bit of marvel method or what was kind of the you know the, the method? I, I, this this is uh i'm embarrassed to say i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> 
My sense of it is, it's been so long, my sense of it is that it was not necessarily a full script. Um, I did have some leeway in it uh, to play with some of it. Um, I don't remember if there was dialogue involved or not. <laughs> That's embarrassing. But uh, um, Well, in uh, fairness, I, it's 20 years, right? Right. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, coming to my rescue. Um, but I don't remember it being overly detailed. I do remember it giving me all the information I needed and, uh, um, you know, being able to tell the story, uh, um, you know, from his scripts uh, and allowing me some, some, some freedom as well. So, Is there anything uh, from the Untold Tales run that, like a story or a sequence that you wish you could go back and kind of redraw? Um, well, I mean, certainly... Uh, <laughs> um, not, not that I think there is one. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> no, I appreciate it. But, it, but, but that's the thing. It, it was 20 years ago. I mean, I was just kind of still starting out in the industry. So um, there were. Uh, so there's two answers to that. One being, is there? You know, the answer. You know, the question is, is there any one scene or, or something I, I would like to redraw? And the answer was, yeah, I'd like to redraw the whole thing because you know I look back on it now, certainly with some with fondness. But I also look back on it now uh, when I, if I flip through the pages and go, oh my god! I mean, I, like I had, I had, I still had a lot to learn. Let's say, um, so I, you know, I was happy with the work. I'm proud of the work that I did. But you know, this is now 20 years later. I think I've been, I, I hope I've gotten better over the years, so that when I look back on it, I think, uh, wow, I, you know, if I had, you know, I, I would, oh, I wish I knew that then, kind of thing. Um, and, but more specifically, I think that the character for me. The, 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 the projects I had before Untold Tales of Spider-Man, I had done some Thor fill-in issues and, uh, you know, Warlock and the Infinity Watch. And I, in and around that period of time, there were larger superheroic kind of figures. And um, I think that I would, uh, the one thing I would like to go back to, to adjust in the early part of, that, of the Untold Tales of Spider-Man run is I thought that uh, it took me a little bit to get, to, to get a Spider-Man figure that I was comfortable with. Um, I think he was uh, uh, one that was a little thinner, uh, moved a little bit better. So it just—it was just getting used to the character in the beginning. Hmm. Now, when uh, now you mentioned obviously before until Tales of Spider-Man, you were kind of batting around here and there. Yep. Uh, how did you kind of break into the, to the industry originally? Uh, well, originally, um, well, when I I graduated from uh, art school and. Hold on to your hats. 1987, <laughs> and uh, um, so I, I had, but I, and I, I picked up some work from Malibu Comics. Um, um, you know, doing some black and white comics for them. Did some stuff for Eternity. Did a Frankenstein adaptation, that kind of thing. So, and in the in the meantime, I was still trying to get work at Marvel and DC. And uh, I had done some work for a local animation company here in Pittsburgh, and I got to meet a. Uh, um, uh, Ron Friends, who also went to, who had previously gone to the same art school that I did. Um, so I had shown Ron my work, uh, and he liked it. He was very complimentary. And uh, at that point, I think at that point he was probably already on Thor, I believe. And um, so he showed my work to uh, Ralph Macchio, his editor. Um, I did a small sample, like five-page backup story thing that kind of sat on a shelf for a little while. Uh, until they needed someone to do Untold Tales of, or uh, um, 
uh, Tales of Asgard backup stories in Thor. Mm. And, um, you know, Ron recommended me, and Ralph took another look at that story and said, yeah, that would be great. And um, so I started doing some uh, Tales of Asgard stories in Thor. I did a couple fill-in issues on Thor, and then um, they needed a new regular artist on a book called Nomad. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and the... Uh, uh, the editor came in and uh, asked Ralph, said, uh, do you know anybody? Um, we need a regular artist, and Ralph recommended me, and um, we just kind of went from there. And did, did you enjoy your time on Nomad? Um, it, I, it, it was, I liked the character, and uh, I, I liked some of the stories that we, that we, that we dealt with, because uh, it was very topical and that kind of thing, but it, it, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle in the sense that um, you know, it was my first experience with being brought on a project and um, there were still people that were fans of the original artist mm. that were not necessarily too happy to see me show up. So it was my first real kind of experience with um, some negative press in terms of, or negative fan reaction, I should say. Um, so I mean, stylistically, we were we had some similarities, but we were certainly different. And uh, uh, and it was also my real first experience with um, meeting a monthly deadline schedule and, and that kind of thing. So I do remember Nomad fondly for the type of stories that we did and the character that that, that he was. Uh, but I do remember it as as a, a quite the learning curve, let's say, <laughs> uh, as in putting together a monthly comic book. So I, you know, so what was it like working on Thorcore? That's that's remembered. <laughs> I don't know if necessarily fondly, but I mean I remember it very well. Maybe for the trading cards that came out of it more so, but yeah. well, I, you know, it was and I'll, it, it was a lot of fun to do primarily because uh, they were very uh, gracious in letting me ink the project myself. Hmm. Um, it was I had a specific idea for how I, I wanted the inks to look and. And I had inked, you know, I'd, I'd been inking my own work in, when I was doing some independent comics. And um, so they were very nice and said, sure, I could ink this thing myself. And then to one degree or another, it was partly successful, partly unsuccessful. But um, it was a chance to work with Tom DeFalco, who, who I worked with many times over the years. And that was certainly uh, a real joy. I love working with him. And uh, I liked the characters. I got to ink my own stuff. And I think that that... Um, it also led to um, Warlock and the Infinity Watch, and I was a huge Adam Warlock fan when I was younger, uh, and it was because of that work that um, uh, that Jim Starlin actually gave me a call and asked me if I was interested in coming aboard on uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch, and that was that was awesome just right there. So, um, so yeah, I, I do remember the, the project uh, fondly overall. Now, do you, do you wish you'd done more of Warlock and the Infinity Watch? Um. Yeah, I, it, it, that would have been a nice run to to keep going. Um, I had I started off inking my own work on that project, and then I kind of uh, uh, I just couldn't meet the deadlines. I mean, I was just that that is a workload that even today I just can't pull off on a regular basis. Um, but it was um, it was still a fun project. Um, John Arcudi had come on as the writer at that point, and uh, I thought he was he's an amazing, he's one of the best writers in comics. And uh, Keith Williams was inking uh, my pencils, and I thought he brought a nice look to the project. So I thought, yeah, it would have been nice to, to keep going. I thought we had a nice little thing, but, you know, that's, that's, that's comics. 
And I guess that led into then Untold Tales of Spider-Man, right? Yeah, it was all yeah all around that general time frame. Yep. Um, uh, I, I don't remember necessarily being I'm trying to remember if uh, Untold Tales specifically followed Warlock, and it might have. But yeah, it was all all around that time. Now you brought up the question of uh, you know who's doing the inking over your pencils. Who do you think is you know one of your favorite uh, inkers over your pencils? Um, well, I think it depends on the, it's interesting is that, I mean, um, I think it depends on the project to a certain extent. I mean, I think Tom Nguyen has been inking my work for the last almost two years now. Um, um, he inked all my stuff, uh, when we were working on Catwoman, he's inking my work, uh, on the new barbed wire series for Dark Horse. And, and I love what he does. It's a specific look that's a little slicker and, uh, um, and I, and I think it, it's a, it's a great look to to bring to these projects um but there are other you know anchors that i've worked with over the years that uh um you know i got to i was very fortunate for a long time to work with al williamson as uh, my regular anchor Mm. uh and um i still remember the first time uh he inked one of my uh untold tales of spider-man stories and you know he's Al Williamson, and the 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 line work he brought to the to the illustrations and the into the drawing. I mean, it was just it was amazing. So, uh, but again, his style obviously would be very different than Tom's. And uh, um, so over the years, um, it's hard to pick a favorite inker because I because it it, it, it works with the project. It doesn't work with the project. I mean, I um, I did a four the four horsemen uh, a mini series for DC that came out of the 52 series um, and that was Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman but it dealt with a lot of zombies and monsters and stuff and John Stanisi inked me on that and that was perfect he had a very, he was influenced by learned from Klaus Janssen's very scratchier, rougher style and when you're drawing monsters and that kind of stuff that, that worked perfectly so um, it, it does tend to be informed by the project to a certain extent uh, what um, do you do? You prefer to work from full script, or do you like more Marvel method, or do you like that kind of in between, like Untold Tales? Well, I do tend to like. Um, uh, I prefer plot. I mean, I prefer. I don't really enjoy. Um, and again, it depends on the writer. Um, if you work full script with a writer who sees the page the same way, who sees layout the same way, or or who approaches the work the same way, then it's more seamless. And that's and that's a and, and that will work if it's a writer who you are you don't quite see the same see the page the same way or you see the character the same way full script can be kind of restrictive so um, but to be honest I mean I, I just prefer to work plot first the Marvel method uh, just because it allows me more freedom to lay out the page move the camera around make panel decisions character decisions layout decisions um and it just allows me more freedom to visually tell the story okay um um what uh, what are the stories you're most proud of as an illustrator um well i think that starting off um you know going back uh into the dark ages of my career uh <laughs> that the uh, um, uh I, my I did an adaptation with Martin Powell. Uh, I did an adaptation of Frankenstein for Attorney Comics, and uh, it was black and white. Um, inked it myself. I look back on it now, and certainly I see all the things that I would like to do over. Since I was just, I just was just out of art school. Um, 
but I'm not, but that project still to me is one of my proudest moments in comics because it just really um, Martin and I saw the character the same way and allowed me to just kind of um, just kind of use my own voice as it were to tell that story visually so it uh, that remains a high point Untold Tales certainly is a high point um, you know, I've, I've been around long enough where I've had uh, you know a bunch of uh, 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 projects that I've enjoyed. The Four Horsemen and the Apocalypse, the Four Horsemen uh, miniseries that I mentioned before was my first chance to really draw Batman and Superman. Um, so that was that you know that was that was awesome. So uh, um, so it's just been there have been uh, a ton of projects that uh, I certainly have really enjoyed over the years. Um, now, oh, an interesting project I was looking at, kind of your list of work, and I remembered it, and I couldn't remember, I didn't realize it was you doing the art, was uh, Unlimited Access. One of the... <laughs> yes. Because yeah. I, I was a child of, you know, I was, what, 14 years old, reading that. I mean, it's, it's one of those comics from, like, I can't believe those comics ever happened. Yes. Uh, but they were yes. interesting. What, what was it like, kind of, first of all, how'd you get the gig? And second of all, what was it like working on a book like that? Well, it was a direct result of Untold Tales of Spider-Man. After Untold Tales of Spider-Man um, ended, uh, you know, uh, I, they were looking for projects for me, and I was looking for projects, and it was, um, you know, something, something I can't remember. I think maybe Tom asked me if I could, if I was available to do it, and um, and it sounded like fun that crossover thing and uh, getting to draw all those different characters. Um, the, the, the thing, some of the, the things I remember most fondly about it are some of the double-page splashes where the the characters would kind of fall through a background of all kinds of other comic book characters and uh, scenes, and it was just crazy. Um, but it was uh, it was a, it really it was a chance. Uh, you know, I got to draw the Hulk punching Green Lantern. I mean, you know, you, you just get it. You got you got a chance to do the, the kinds of things that you probably would not be able to do too often anywhere else. Uh, that's true, especially these days. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, now, one thing we haven't talked about at all is your uh, lengthy run on Spider Girl. Yes. Now, um, I'm always curious. I mean, so you obviously did not create the character. But you were, you know, you started from a very, you know, what, issue one to, I think issue, issue you were on it a long time, what, issue 60-something? It was, yeah, I don't remember the exact last issue number, but it was about five years, and, uh, um, and really that was another, and that came from not only my work on Untold Tales of Spider-Man and a Spider-Man connection, um, but also my working relationship with Tom DeFalco, my relationship with Ron Friends. I mean, that whole MC2 universe thing that started from Tom and Ron doing a Spider-Girl What If uh, that was so well-received that we spun this whole MC2 universe out of it. Uh, primarily Tom and Ron did. And uh, uh, with A-Next and Spider-Girl. And, uh, and really, when I first heard about the project... Um, I was assuming, or I was thinking, that I was going to end up doing the Avengers project, the one that Ron ended up doing, and then Ron would, Tom would end up doing the Spider-Man project, and, um, and, uh, but no, they asked me to do Spider-Girl, and again, it goes back to my connection with the character, with, Spy- with the Spider-Man character, but also Ron's connection with, uh, the Thunderstrike character that he and Tom created that would be part of A-Next, so, 
Um, so I was actually kind of surprised when they offered it to me. I was very happy uh, to get the book, and um, uh, and it was great. It was great working with uh, with Tom, and that was all uh, Marvel method. That was all plots. I mean, that was all um, you know. I was I had a lot of input in how the story visually went along, and Tom was uh, Tom's great to work with because he's so open to suggestions and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I was really happy with the fact that. Uh, uh, I was happy that to, that the, the the character was popular was popular enough to continue on, and I was also happy with the with the fact that I never, I obviously the character uh, started in you know that the, the what if issue, but then the character that Tom and I did moving forward, we kind of had our you know we were we were able to I was able to bring something to the table. Uh, um, I didn't feel restricted uh, as far as that's concerned. So I was I was thrilled that the character not only was popular enough, uh, was able to hang on enough to, to, for me to be on there for five years, but then Ron came back on and ultimately uh, the, the character existed for, I think, almost ten years. It was the longest-running female character that uh, Marvel certainly has ever had. What uh, what were some of the, like your favorite characters that you created for that book? Because obviously you guys you know, you used some old favorites, but especially in the first year, you definitely used a lot of new characters. Um, who were some of your favorite that you guys designed? Well, I think uh, the the one that the, the one that pops up first is a character called Crazy Eight, and oh, yeah. uh, he you know he had the the essentially his costume was a giant uh, you know uh, eight ball uh, uh, motif where he had it was all in black and he had the crazy hair and the big eight in his chest, and uh, there was just <laughs> there was just something about that character that I just uh, I just really fell in love with. I mean, from a design standpoint and from the character standpoint, that he stands out. Um, uh, there's been a lot there were a lot of great ones but he really kind of stands out as, as, the, as the character that I enjoyed the most now when you guys I guess created Crazy 8 as a good example um, did you kind of have an idea before you kind of put down, put it down on page or what was the I guess the, the idea or the concept before you actually came up with the character well I think Tom had, a, had an idea of the character had a description of the character and then you kind of used that then to to Know, springboard off onto the uh, to, to the visuals. Um, so once I had a general sense of the character, what he did, who he was, that kind of thing. That uh, uh, and the name, obviously, that the uh, uh, the motif was pretty pretty easy to come up with. Um, so there was a just you know the Tom had a description and, and uh, you kind of kind of go from there uh, and use that as your basis to design the character. Uh, who are I guess which characters from the uh, MCT universe that you created were do you wish you could go back and redo? <laughs> um, Again, not saying that there are any that need to be redone. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's you know, it's interesting because I, I have to admit, nothing. You know, and I don't. I, I certainly don't want to sound like there. I, I uh, uh, you know, the characters that I, <laughs> I created uh, for the, for that uh, for the MC two universe and for spider girl that I'm, I'm just thrilled with all of them but none of them nothing really comes to mind that i would like to go back and redo unlike uh, you know some of the earlier and i early, you know the you mentioned untold tales of spider-man earlier and, and would i like to go back and redo some of that but uh, i think at that point i i had i felt a little bit more comfortable with um designing characters had a little more experience in the industry and that kind of thing so certainly there are characters that um, uh, work better than others, but there isn't one that really pops into my head that I look back on now and go, wow, that was a mistake. 
<laughs> so, uh, 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 so unfortunately, I don't really have one that jumps that jumps out at me. But that's not, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, now the the uh, the Lady Hawk characters who were, I guess, what Falcon's daughters. I believe that's the case. Right? What was? Um, I mean, obviously, their costume was very much designed from, I guess, his kind of green costume originally. Uh, exactly. Again, what was the the concept behind that? It's just well, I mean. I think that the in terms of um, in terms of the, the genesis of the characters themselves, probably Tom can talk to it better talk to it better than I can. But in terms of the visuals of the characters, that's exactly right. I mean, the um, that that the green uh, uh, original Falcon costume was the basis for their costume, and um, uh, which I thought was great because I think that uh, um, the acrobatic nature to the characters, uh, you know, that skin tight kind of costume, kind of worked really well. And I think too. Using something like that, using a callback to a character uh, like the Falcon, and using a, and, and and using a callback to his original costume, I think is a nice touch for. And I think that's what made that was why people like Spider Girl. And I think that it was something that they one of the reasons they also liked Untold Tales of Spider Man is that um, there was um, there was almost a connection to. Um, more, you know, the the past generations, past characters in Marvel history uh, that gave people an option that they couldn't find in current comics. It was a Spider Girl was again like Untold Tales of Spider Man, a comic that they could give to their kids, a comic that they could enjoy, and a comic that they can enjoy from a nostalgic standpoint too. Um, so I think using a, a, a cost, you know, the Falcon's original costume is a basis for the costume of these characters. I think it was a nice touch. I like that kind of aspect to the to the book. So that that was pretty that was pretty easy. And of course, um, you know, Ron and Tom, I think to a large extent, um, uh, obviously were steering the ship in terms of the MC2 universe. And some of these characters were characters that Ron Friends had created and Ron Friends had come up with. And I think that the original choice for those costumes came from Ron Friends. When you were um, illustrating Mayday herself, so a lot of people obviously like the book because it has a strong female lead, um, and I think a, a big part of that credit also goes towards you know your artwork on the book because she wasn't a typical female character in you know in the bad sense where in right. terms of how they're usually illustrated. How did you kind of approach uh, drawing Mayday both as Mayday and as Spider Girl? Uh, well, I think the approach was informed to a certain extent by how Ron approached her in the original What If series. I mean, it, or the original What If issue. It, he certainly, um, uh, I mean, he didn't, she didn't, uh, she wasn't an over-exaggerated female form. She didn't have a revealing, revealing costume. She was a teenage kid. Uh, and that was the approach early on, and that was certainly uh, my approach to the character when I started. Uh, it, she was um, already established as uh, you know a younger character, a teenage character. Um, so you certainly want to make that you want to make that you want to make her visuals fit that description. So um, I certainly don't. I certainly wouldn't draw. Mayday the same way I drew Catwoman or the same way I drew Barbed Wire, primarily because of, the, you know, of, of who that character was. Obviously, like I said, I was informed by what Ron did and, uh, um, and then just kind of added my own um, uh, visual input to it um, just, to, just so that I could feel comfortable with drawing the character month after month because uh, I'm a huge fan of Ron's work. But 
he and I draw differently. So uh, in order to feel comfortable with the character month after month, I have to be able to kind of boil her down to something that I I feel connected to and giving her this kind of longer, leaner, athletic kind of form just fits with my style better. And I think it's the same thing with the Mayday uh, character herself is that I used Ron's basis to, uh, to approach the character. Um, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to bring something to it my, uh, on my own so that I could uh, connect with the character month after month. And that's kind of how it ended up. Which um, of of the let's say villains who've been both in Untold Tales and in Spider Girl, which one would you say was the most challenging to draw? Um, or the one who, when they showed up again, you're like, "Oh man, this person again." <laughs> um, you know, again, I don't really have one that I'm trying. I'm trying to think here uh, if there's one that pops into my head that I really. Uh, that I <laughs> that I had that reaction to, and I really there really isn't one that comes up. I mean the uh, um, that was like I said that was just a, a, a nice five year experience with a lot of nice characters. So unfortunately, I, I, I no one doesn't come up with my in my head. Sorry. Um, when you were doing Until Tales of Spider Man, obviously you got to do a lot of class some classic villains. Were there any classic villains you wish you'd had a chance to have a crack at? Um, let's see. Classic villains in a general sense, or classic Spider-Man villains specifically? Because it, I was very fortunate. Let's do both. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, the classic villains that I would have loved to have gotten a chance to draw are guys that are characters that wouldn't necessarily be in in, in a Spider-Man book necessarily, uh, like Doctor Doom and, 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 and those kind of characters. But the um, uh, but I was so fortunate to get to draw um, some of my favorite classic. Um, Spider-Man villains. Um, I'd have to do a little thinking here to find one. I mean, I, I was I, I got a chance to draw Electro. I mean, uh, Doctor Octopus was awesome. I loved drawing that character. Um, you know, uh, uh, Green Goblin, obviously. Um, so uh, you know, I, I got to draw um, the Sandman, which was which is, was a lot of fun. So. Um, I'd have to come back to that as to whether or not there's some classic characters. I'm sure there are, but I can't come up with them at the moment. See, this is what happens when you get old, Adam. I can't remember <laughs> anything. Fair enough. Um, I'm actually I'm flipping through my Untold Tales of Spider-Man omnibus right now, and I came, up, came upon something I remembered. Um, there was a uh, character, now I forget his name, he's Gordon something. He was a villain. And, <laughs> yes. And looking at him, he very much looks like your version of uh, Peter Parker when he's older. Yes. Um, <laughs> like almost comically so. Like looking yeah, at the um, cover, it's like whoa. It was uh, 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 essentially that character Gordon looks like me. Oh, is and, that what it is? <laughs> yes. And um, me in my younger days, um, I have a lot more gray hair now. So, but and then <laughs> Pete, when he got older. Um, tended to look the same because there is a similarity to Pete. He's got you know, it's kind of a generic face like I do, and uh, <laughs> then you slap a goatee. You get a slap a goatee on him, and suddenly, because I've had people come up to me, come to come up to me and ask me if I was drawing Peter uh, based on me, and it really didn't kind of uh, what that wasn't the plan necessarily, but 
uh, it just kind of worked out that way. Part of that, Adam, is that I, I don't have a huge facility of uh, different facial types that I plug into my book, so there tends to be a similarity to some of them regardless. But uh, um, So if it's a guy with a goatee and a, and a mustache, then he's going to look this way? It's going to be pretty close to that, unless he's uh, uh, he's got a scar on his face. But if you got a, if you're if you're writing an average dude that, that has a goatee and a mustache and a, and a haircut like that, he's going to end up probably looking pretty close to that, and he's going to end up looking like me. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. There you go. So that's it. Yeah. So that, yeah. Gordon was was kind of based on me. Uh, no, we'll wrap it up in a moment. But um, you mentioned obviously that you worked on Catwoman. How did uh, that kind of come about? Well, um, essentially, I had uh, um, two, about two years before I started Catwoman, I had started to do some work for Disney, uh, Disney Publishing. Uh, I did a lot of their, um, um, you know, Disney obviously owns the Marvel characters. They came out with a whole line of books that were aimed at younger readers. And Mike Seglane, who was an editor I worked for at DC, was now over at Disney, and he hired me to do the uh, work on those Disney books for, and I did that for about two years. So when they came to an end, um, when that project was over for me, I came back to comics and was, was looking for different projects to work on, contacting different editors. I'd worked with Mike Martz years ago. He was one of our, uh, spider girl editors for a little bit. And, uh, so in contacting different editors and looking for different projects, um, I ended up doing a Batwoman fill-in, um, which led directly to some Catwoman fill-ins, which then just kind of expanded on their own to end it to uh, to a run that lasted almost a year. So uh, um, I didn't jump on Catwoman thinking that this was going to last that long, and uh, I was happy that it did. I had a lot of fun with the character, but that was primarily based on the. Uh, my contact with uh, uh, with Mike and doing the uh, Batwoman villain. And what was the collaboration with uh, Anna Senti like? Oh, she's awesome. It was it was it was great. Um, it was now there are some writers that you work with that it's all on the page and they prefer it that way, and that's totally fine. I've worked with some edit some writers that uh, I've never I never spoke to the entire time we worked together. Um, you know, I get my script, I draw the story. If they have some notes, they send me an email or something, and, and that's it. Um, but Anne was a lot like Tom DeFalco in the sense that she was always open to suggestion. Uh, we talked on the phone a bunch of times about uh, different scenes, and uh, even though because that was the na- because the nature of the industry now is to write full script, um, she let me know that you know if I had a different idea for a scene to to uh, to go ahead and give it a try to uh, to play around with page layouts and uh, uh, so she was really open uh, uh, to a collaborative uh, working relationship which I, I really enjoyed so uh, that was that was it was really great working with her. Now you did some I guess fill-ins with Scarlet Spider as well, as well correct? Um, yes, I did um, just very briefly. Um, just they needed uh, some help on some uh, some pages, some issues, um, and that's really kind of between projects. Um, that's basically uh, you know how, how I uh, uh, you know I, if if an editor needs some help on a project, they can give me a call and I can uh, you know, I can do some pages and that kind of thing. So well, that was that was just kind of a fill-in thing to help out. 
And I guess you also did the some uh, variant covers for Convergence the Atom, correct? Um, Convergence the Atom. Oh, I was, well, uh, not on the Convergence thing, um, but I was for a brief period, uh, unfortunately too brief, uh, I was the regular artist on, on the Atom for DC. Um, with uh, I got a chance to work with Rick Remender, um, uh, and that was you know that was that was great. That was a lot of fun, and I was uh, that. And I'll and I'll tell you that that remains to be one of the books that I am uh, when I look back on projects that you know, and I have a bunch of them that I would have certainly liked to have continued on or that they would have survived longer. Uh, the Atom really is one of, is, is close to the top of the list uh, as projects that. I really thought we were we were doing something that had a shot at being really popular, and it was uh, Rick, is such a talented writer, and his approach to the Atom was so science fiction based um, that I thought this is great. This is going to really connect with people, but the sales just never re- were, were never high enough to let us continue. Um, so not the uh, the convergence covers, but I did I, I did have a, a small run on the Atom, which uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, any final thoughts, for, uh, or you can tell us where, where we can find you next. Well, uh, I've been working now at uh, Dark Horse on a project called Barbed Wire that'll come out July 1st. Uh, it's written by the character's creator, uh, Chris Warner, uh, inked by Tom uh, Nguyen, and it's been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed the character. I was aware of the character when she first appeared, uh, you know, years ago, and... Uh, and then, so when they asked me to, when Chris uh, uh, asked me about uh, the project, I was interested. Um, I was excited to, to come on board. Uh, unfortunately, at the time he asked me, I was still doing Catwoman, um, so I had to pass at the time. Uh, you know, I had to, to pass on the project at the time. But um, when my run of Catwoman ended, they were still in need of an artist, and I said, you know, I'd love to be part of that. So the timing of it, I was really lucky that the timing of it worked out the way it did, and that they uh, were still interested in having me jump on board. Um, uh, but she's been she's been great. I mean, this this kind of uh, you know female bounty hunter character um, uh, has been fun to do. Um, I love drawing the uh, uh, you know the supporting cast. I like drawing her and uh, and I like re- and and Chris writes just an awesome script. It's it's fun every month to uh, to get the script uh, uh, from from Chris and uh, he's got such a great voice for the character that uh, uh, I'm really excited for people to see it and uh, you know I hope they connect with it. So uh, that's a uh, barbed wire from Dark Horse. I'll come out ju- July first. Okay, well that, that's a perfect plug. Awesome. There you go. I've done my job. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pat. Adam, it was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.